0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, how many of you are ready to hear the word this morning? Amen. We're in our values series, and last week we, we touched on serving. Serving. And we established the fact that Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve and we concluded then so will we as a church we will show up to serve not to be served and then secondly we established that Jesus didn't throw in the towel in fact he put it on and he served others and then we concluded as a church so will we. And we will be willing to serve. And today, with God's help, I want to speak to you on the subject of miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders. If you have your Bible, would you stand to your feet with me? If you are able, and we will read from Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, and I'll begin reading at verse 17. And here's what it says. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick. And they will be healed. When uh, Jump to verse 20. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them. Everybody say through them. The Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray this morning as we handle this subject of miracles, signs and wonders, that Lord, you would open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to understand your plan To use us as willing vessels in this specific area. And Father, may you receive always the glory. May we never chase after signs and wonders or people that perform them. But may we always chase hard after you. Lord, I pray now that you would anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart. Lord, and it's with humility that I approach this opportunity to speak your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. In verse 17, it says that these miraculous signs will accompany who? Those who believe. So let me just ask a question today. Are there any believers in the house? Any believers in the house? Amen. I have a lot of witnesses this morning. And it's important for us to understand that this isn't something that just applied to the disciples, but to all who believe. In the Son of God. All who call Jesus Lord and Savior. In this context though. He was speaking to his disciples. And the early church was not even formed yet. But we're going to see something that happens. And it's incredible once we observe it. In John chapter 14 verse 12. It says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me. So again any believers in the house. Yes. Yes. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater, and here's why, because I am going to be with the Father. It's important for us to understand that. And my whole goal this morning is to show you scripture and to show you how Jesus spoke these words, but when the disciples began to obey them, They began to see through themselves God used them. And signs and wonders accompanied the preaching of God's word. They were nobody special. Some of them were even unschooled or unlearned. Others were fishermen. And yet God chose to use them. Not because they were special. But because they were obedient and they were willing vessels. They said, Lord, we talked about it last week. If you can use anything, then use me. Please. Use me, God. I am willing. My question is, this morning, are you willing for God to use you? Are you willing for God to use you? And I'm not saying it's going to always be in the miraculous or in, in healings. But there are gifts given to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you could go and read them. Some of those gifts, and, and the Bible says in that chapter, that they are given for the benefit of the church. So there are some of us that have Perhaps a gift of the working of healings or miracles. There's a gift of faith as well. And so my thing is, are you exercising the gifts that God has given you? Why? Because they are for the benefit of the church. But now the preaching of God's word is something special as well. Because God wants to confirm His word with signs and wonders. It's, it's important in a, in a society like today... That unless they see with their eyes, they won't believe. Usually. Sh- show me. Oh, you have money. Prove it. Show me. Uh, or you claim to be this. Show me. Prove it. Ancestry.com. Right? I'm going to show you that I truly... I'm a king. Look, I'll show you my lineage. And you pay money and someone will do all the research. And you realize, oh, I'm part Russian and I'm part... I had a friend who, who posted about it. He's, he identifies as... Um, he's from Holland. He's Dutch. And his roots were like Russian and something else. Uh, But it's interesting to discover. Nonetheless, no tangents this morning. We don't have time. But there is a gift that has been given to the church. And we established that. But also now, God wants to accompany the preaching of his word with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. So why is it important? He said, I'm going to be with the Father. You'll do greater works because I'm going to the Father. Well, Jesus said, "When i I got to go so that He can come. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can come. And we already said, if you remember during the end of our worship last week, about the dunamis power that we have from the Holy Spirit. It's dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite. And that same power... The Bible says that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Did you know that? If you, if you claim to be a believer, you've accepted Jesus Christ and your Lord, as your Lord and Savior, and you've confessed it with your mouth, guess what? The power of His Holy Spirit is indwelling. Now, there's something in Acts chapter 2 that we're going to talk about in a moment, where they were filled with the Holy Ghost, with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And the birth of the church started from that point. And so, Jesus said, I must go. And did you know what happened? He said, now wait for the promise of the Father, which was His Holy Spirit. You see, you have to understand that to understand how regular, ordinary people can be used in the prophetic, can be used in healing and and in the miraculous. Because it's not us. Because it's Him in us and through us. So that's the important thing. We have to understand that Jesus told the believers to wait for the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we find them waiting in chapter 1 and 2. They're waiting and they're praying and they're believing For what Jesus said would happen. And in Acts chapter 2 it happens. And the church is birthed in that moment. In the upper room. And then Peter steps up and he preaches his first message. How do we know things are different at this point? Is that 3,000 people get saved. Peter was the one who, what? Denied Christ three times. Then the rooster crowed. You remember that one maybe? Now he's the first person to step up. The one who denied him and said, no, 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 I I wasn't with him. Now steps forward and preaches and 3,000 people are added to the church. And miraculous things begin to happen that accompany the preaching of God's word. And today, I just want to walk you through some of those things that happened. And so we have to understand, John, what we read, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done And even greater works, how? Through the power of His Holy Spirit that enables us to be used for His glory. So as a result of of what we've already read this morning, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2 verse 43. And I want to share this with you now. Let me just read before we jump there because I don't want to lose you in the trail. Mark 16 verse 20 said this, And the disciples went everywhere and preached... And the Lord worked through them. Who worked through them? The Lord. It was not them. It was not their power. It's our natural with His super. And we received the supernatural ministry. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. I want to take verse 20 now. And as we walk a little bit through the book of Acts, let's begin to see what was happening. So Acts chapter 2 verse 43. Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved. And now it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The first thing I want to establish with you this morning is that when you have expectation and a reverence for God, He will show up and do great things. That's the first thing, and it's not on the screen. So you have to write it down or listen to the podcast, by the way, which gets published every Tuesday morning. Or or Tuesday afternoon, I can't remember the schedule. But it's there by Tuesday evening, guaranteed. I'll say it again. Every Tuesday, you can re-listen to Sunday's message. And you can hear God's word afresh and anew in the middle of your week. And so, where we have a reverence for God. Like, God, I stand in awe of who you are. As you worship Him, you lift your hands in reverence for Him. And Lord, we honor you today. Let the fruit of my lips give thanks. And not just the lips, but the heart as well. Because the the lips can honor God, but the heart could be far from Him, the Bible says. So we have to make sure that we mean really what we are saying. And in those kind of environments of faith and of, of reverence for God, He shows up and does great things. So my question is, are you expecting God to do something in your life? Do you come with expectation When we meet together on Sundays and Fridays, our youth who are going to meet beginning on Wednesdays. Do you come with expectation or do you come out of, well, let's just see what happens today. Let's just, you know, if you invest little, you probably receive little. But but when you pour it all out in worship... You say, God, I empty myself of myself now. And and Lord, I'm tired, but I give you whatever strength I have left in worship. You see how God will fill you afresh and anew. And so in those environments, when we approach God in that way, we we open or we unlock something in the spirit. Something breaks. Because we're willing to go beyond comfort. We're willing to go beyond the normal. And we say, now God, I've, I've spent all my energy on you. Now it's an open heaven I'm waiting to receive. And you watch. That's why that song, Fall. My daughter sings it all week in the car. And I'm like, don't, don't stop singing it. I love it. Because we are expecting God to do something. There's an open heaven when we come to God with expectation. Acts chapter 243, a deep sense of awe, and then many signs and wonders. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, I'm going to read it for you. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple, in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Why did people not join them? I don't know. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe it was something new. So they were uncertain and unsure. Or if I associate with them, I don't want to get in trouble. And, and here's what happened. Verse 14. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work... Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. They were all healed. I don't know if you can catch the heartbeat of these passages, but but this is my heartbeat and I believe God's heartbeat. God's heartbeat for our city, that people would would hear a message so clear because it's anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit that every pretense would be shattered. Every preconceived idea of what God is all about would be broken and they would hear the good news because it is life-giving. It is hope for the broken and for the desperate, for the desolate. It is a message of hope. And you see, we have to understand that we need to be faithful to preach this word. If if I hope that you catch that, I don't share my opinion much from the pulpit. I, I try as best as I can to preach God's word. Because this is where the power lies. My opinion, yeah, I, I might have an opinion about you know a certain text. Or some of you have, Pastor, what do you think about this text or this passage? And we can discuss. But at the end of the day, this is God's word. And it has... All the anointing it needs to be effective. But it needs people to stand up and to be willing to proclaim what it says. And as we honor God's word, it never returns void. As we honor God's word, it, it will be accompanied by signs and wonders. And so Acts 5, we see this picture where there, people are, mm, I see it's good and I see what's happening, but I'm not willing to join. That's okay. What happens still? That more and more people are getting saved. More and more people are drawing closer to the Lord. Not only that, but now people are starting to say, wait a minute, there are people being healed. And now they start dragging the sick out onto the streets so that if these apostles would walk by, if their shadow would touch on them in hopes that they would be healed and set free. And it says that all of them were. All of them were. There's another story. That we find in Acts about the handkerchief. And that was, that's what I call the tangible anointing. That the anointing that is on somebody. The mantle that gets passed to someone else. It happened from Elish, Elisha to Elisha. Where he received even a double portion. But also so those handkerchiefs that were, Paul had. They were going back to the sick people. And they were being healed as well. That's what I call the tangible anointing. I want you to know you could come to the house of God full of faith and receive what you need. But I want you to know that the same God who shows up here is the same God who's ready to show up in your place of work, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, wherever you find yourself. God is just saying, are you willing? And he's the same God. He's the same spirit. And he's with you here. As well as when you're outside. Because why? We are the church. Remember? Not this building. This is actually a school. Not that building. That's that's our church building where we meet as the church. But we are the church. And we ought to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Willing to do the work. I just envision our church catching this message today. And we become so passionate about the things of God and sink seeing people saved, seeing people delivered, seeing people healed. That my prayer is, imagine if people would just be dragging them to us, not to our church, but to us in our place of work saying, I don't know what it is about you, but can you pray for me? I'm sick or I need healing. Can you imagine what that would do? Not for our church, for our city. God's heart is for the city, for the people And we are here. And yes, God is able to do great things among us. But they should not stay among us. It has to spread. And I heard once a pastor say, you know, we think of revival as happening within the walls of the church. And this place being full and crowded. But revival comes not to change a church, but to change a city. And my prayer is that God would use this house to change our city. And that requires us... To be willing to say, yes, Lord, let heaven come. Use me and let us see signs and wonders for your honor and for your glory. That's Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, we read about Stephen. The Bible describes him as a man full of faith. Stephen was actually a martyr. He was stoned because of his, uh, his faithfulness to Jesus and to the message of the gospel. And it says this, and Stephen, full of grace and power was performing great wonders and signs among the people. And I want you to know this. You can be a powerful person, but still be full of grace. I know oftentimes we think of power as like, oh, he's on a power trip. Or, or he thinks he's higher than everyone else. But Stephen, the Bible describes him as being full of grace and power. I call that quiet strength, perhaps. Perhaps. And there's a quiet strength about believers sometimes that you don't have to be the loudest person in the room, but you have the power of the Holy Ghost living inside of you, which is dynamite. And you don't have to say a word, but when you pray, you see it explode. And there are some of you in, in our church that I know you're prayer warriors, but in public you're, you're pretty chill, pretty quiet. And uh, Stephen was of such, and, and God used him even to perform Wonders and signs. And at Weston, we value signs and wonders. That's why this is part of our value series. I remember when Nate Pimentel was with us, he actually said, he goes, I feel a prompting from the Lord. And and we were actually still in our building. This was like June 5th, I believe it was. And he said... um, He said, I feel the spirit just wanting me to to tell you, the church, that when you go back to your building, God is ready to unlock and unload signs and wonders that this will be a house of faith that will operate. See, I don't forget those things. I forget a lot of things like what I wore yesterday. I might wear the same t-shirt two days in a row and I apologize if you caught me on those two days. But I don't forget the things of the Spirit that God reveals because those are the things that are important. Those are the things that we hold on to. So I'm saying, Lord, we're going back there in November in a week, uh, in two weeks, I should say. and, And we're expecting that word to be fulfilled. God is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. And every time his word is preached, it never returns void. It always accomplishes what he set it out for and what he desires it to produce. So... Isaiah 55:11 I just quoted it but I'll read it uh, again. So so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So when I prayed this morning and I prayed, Lord, I approach this pulpit with humility and it's my opportunity. I, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Even preaching. It's a humble position to stand before God's people and to read His Word. It truly is. And I don't take it lightly, but it's a serious responsibility to rightly divide the Word of Truth. And what's important to understand is now that we preach the Word, we just read it in Isaiah fifty five eleven. That God has a purpose for His Word. And He actually says it will never return void, but it will accomplish or it will achieve the purpose for which He sent it for. So at the church, if you were there for our standing on the promises night, uh, it was an incredible opportunity I believe it was September the 27th. And I wrote this verse, Isaiah fifty five eleven right right about where I will stand on the, on the platform to preach. Because it's my heart that every time we get together and I have the opportunity to preach, that God would always let his word be fulfilled. Because he doesn't fail his own word. So if I'm faithful to preach and declare what his word says, God will always back it up. With signs and wonders confirming his word. In case you're wondering, at the end of this message, we're going to open up the altars and we're going to pray for whatever need you might have. Whatever need you might have. You say, it's impossible. Well, he's the God of the impossible. I'm just preparing you. So prepare your spirit. If you need prayer or you you need to see God move like you've never seen him before in your life... Prepare yourself, because when I open the altars in a few moments, the invitation is for whoever, whosoever will come. And we will pray in faith, believing that God's word never returns void. So God will accomplish this morning, even, what he wants his word to do in your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Now, we talked about how we do it well when we are we stand in awe of who God is. We reverence his name All of these wonderful things. And we preach His word with conviction and boldness. But I want to share with you out of Acts chapter 8. There's a story with Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer. And I just want to turn there myself. Because I want to read to you just a few verses. Acts chapter 8. And I just want to read to you beginning at verses 6 to 8. And here's what it says. Actually, let's start at verse 4 of chapter 8. Sorry about that, Ben. I don't think it's on the slides. So here it says, verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did so there is this thing about the miraculous or signs and wonders that gets abused and there are people all they care about they don't care about God or their relationship with God they just want to be wowed they just want to see signs and wonders and be like wow that is so cool I wonder how they do it I wonder how it was done or how they got that accomplished because there were a bunch of people now coming. They, they were eager though to hear the message and to see the miraculous signs he did. Verse 7, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So this is a good thing that, that is happening. And there's great joy in the city. How many of you want to see great joy in our city? Amen. I do. But here comes a character named Simon the Sorcerer, and he has his own agenda. He, he actually claimed to be someone great, and they called him the Great One, or he was referred to as the Great One. Everyone spoke highly of him, and they listened intently to his words. Why? Because he was able to perform magic as well. He was able to do this. And Simon the sorcerer was there long before Philip showed up in Acts chapter 8. So they knew of Simon the sorcerer. They knew of his power, of his magic. And they listened as a result to every word he said. But now comes Philip, who, who brings the true good news to people. And in verse 12, we see it pick up. And I just want to go there for a second Verse 12 of Acts chapter 8. And it says this. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news. Concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result many men and women were baptized. And get this. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed. At what? He was amazed at the signs and great miracles Philip Performed. Did you know that people get baptized and maybe their hearts are not even really focused on the right thing? Did you know that? It's hard to discern. It's hard to know. In this case, we see Simon going through the motions that everyone else is. But it says that he was attracted. And you could miss it. But if you read to the end of the story and then reread it again, you might catch it. That he was interested or attracted by the signs and wonders that they performed. And... This is now my opinion, probably because he was referred to as the Great One, and he knew how to perform magic. By the way, that's not of the power of, of God, but the devil. And there are people, if you remember Pharaoh and Moses, when Moses went and his rod turned into a snake, Pharaoh's magicians were able to copy that. But did you notice that Moses' snake ate theirs? It's there, it's true. And so God trumps any other type of power that exists in the world. And so Simon is interested now in what they are doing. And it says that he was amazed by the signs and and great miracles Philip performed. And so it continues about this. Um, In verses 14 to 17, it also says that now the apostles there laid hands on new believers and they received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They received something new now, something powerful. And in verse 18, Simon sees this and what does he do? He offers money to try to buy this power and they rebuke Simon for that. So you see, Simon is an example of what not to do, I'd say. Because if you're in it just to, to, to be wowed, if you're in it to think, well, I want to buy this power, that's not how God works. And this power is available to believers, genuine sons and daughters of God, who are willing to be used by Him, and the power of the Holy Spirit will work in you and through you to perform signs and wonders to accompany God's Word. And this is the thing. When we cheapen it or when we twist it and distort it, God is not honored. God is not glorified and God is not pleased. This morning, my prayer is that as we talk about signs and wonders, that we would be encouraged, that we would even ask, Lord, give us signs and wonders. Give us signs and wonders. And it's an important prayer to to ask of him. But I don't want to negate or miss this point. Yes, we want signs and wonders. But we want God first. Amen? We want God first. Because as we chase hard after God, signs and wonders accompany the preaching of His Word. He will, he will confirm His ministry among us as a church. And so we chase after God. If all you want is to be wowed, I'm sorry, you're, you're not going to get it from me. You've got to get it from Him first. And so let us chase hard after God as we talk about signs and wonders. Because He is the giver of the gifts. And He is the one who works in us and through us. In Luke chapter 23 verse 8, to piggyback off of Simon the sorcerer and his offer to buy this power. uh, We see that Herod, when he saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. For he had desired for a long time to see Him. Because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. It's interesting. If you want, go go and read Luke chapter 23. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry. He's about to be crucified. And now Herod gets this opportunity. And he says, I've been wanting to see you for a long time. And if I could imagine how Herod must have been. He didn't fear God. But... To say, I I wanted to see you for a long time, to see you perform some miracles for us. As if you're a magician now who's come and I finally get to see you. Show me some tricks. Show me some tricks. You see, that is not who Jesus is and that's not who God is. And Herod had that approach. And you see, for centuries, people have gone head over heels chasing after the supernatural. There are even shows, I think, called Supernatural. And I don't watch them. The ghost hunters and all this weird stuff. I choose not to watch that. But people are chasing after the supernatural, the mysterious. And after miracles, signs and wonders even, people are chasing after. But in their pursuit of chasing after that, they run right past the God of miracles. You see the difference? We can't want miracles, signs and wonders without wanting God. Without wanting more of Him. So really, the way we get to see this for us is when we get hungry enough. And when our faith is built up enough to the point where we say, you know what? God, I trust you. And faith rises in my heart. That Lord, before I take my son to the doctor, first, I'm going to lay hands on him. And pray the prayer of faith. And to believe that he will be healed in Jesus' name. I believe it. I do it. I practice it myself. As, as hard as it might be. Why? Because we've been trained to first, our instinct is, oh, you've got to go to the doctor. You've got to go to the doctor. Okay. You can still go. But how about our first step? Let, let it be, I'm going to lay hands before we do anything else. Then let the doctors figure out what they think is wrong. But first, let us lay hands and pray. Let us believe. And I pray that all of you, your conviction in this specific area would be stirred up this morning. When you see someone crying maybe at work or in public and in the corner somewhere, that we don't just go... Oh, they must have had a breakup or a bad day or something and we're kind of we become awkward. But but what if God wanted to use you to simply say, Are you okay? I've seen non Christians be more compassionate and sincere than Christians. But we are the church. We have Jesus, we have the hope. We should be willing to say, I know I'm on a busy tight schedule, but let me just take a moment. I don't have a lot of time, but are you okay? I saw you crying and I just want to make sure that everything... If, you know, and they might say, just begin to open up to you and say, Again, I don't have a lot of time, but if it's okay, I would love to pray with you. It doesn't have to be crazy. Some of the best miracles are, are when people just stopped to pay attention. In Acts chapter 3, we see that uh, Peter and John are walking to the temple. And there's a man who's been lame since birth, lying at the gate. And every day they must have walked by... But on this particular day, they decided to stop as he's calling out. All he was asking for was some donations. But how many of you know, if you're sick and you can't walk, you don't need more money. You need healing. You need to be able to walk. And so I love the response. Silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what does it say? They reached out their hand and lifted him up. Are you willing to extend a hand today? Are you willing to reach out a hand to someone who might need healing? And my prayer is that we don't just see superficial surface stuff. You see, it would have been easy to just toss some money. Because they were going to the temple. They were probably going to give at the temple anyways. So this man knew they, they will have some change and they can throw it to me. So he wasn't dumb. He was actually smart for being there. But... I'm glad that there was discernment from Peter and John because they could have just thrown him a couple of coins because that's what he actually asked for. But silver and gold have I none. What I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. You see, you don't have to be rich. And it doesn't matter if you're poor. All that matters is that you have Jesus. And as you extend His love, His, his healing, all of those things that He is will flow out of you if you are willing Signs and wonders. You see, oftentimes we think it's some big mysterious cloud. And and we don't understand. Really, you just have to stop and look. Stop, look, and listen. And ask, Lord, how can you use me in this way? And if you do those simple things, I assure you, God will show up. I assure you, He's willing and ready to use people who are willing to be used in this way. Can you say amen? You have to check your motive, though. You have to make sure your motive is right. And so, as we get ready to close this morning, Mark chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus is in His hometown. And it says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, And because of their unbelief, He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place His hands on a few sick people and heal them. And then verse 6 goes on to say that, And he was amazed at their unbelief. You see, when, when signs and wonders or miracles are absent, it's not necessarily that uh, there's a lack of power. Because Jesus did heal some. But he said because of their unbelief, he couldn't do much. And you see, my prayer today for us is that faith would arise. That faith would arise. And I know we've pr- I've prayed for people and they still died of cancer. But it, it doesn't mean I have to stop praying. Can you say amen? I'm not the one who heals. He is. But I have to be willing to lay hands on the sick and believe in faith that they will recover. And I believe with all of my heart that if God wants to use these hands even to raise the dead, He can do it. Am I willing to let Him use my hands? Right? Am I my brain says, yeah, but how will it look? What will the people think? And what, you know, what will happen after? I don't know. But if I, if God tells me to do it, I'll, I'll do it. But Jesus, it, see, it's not even a lack of power. Because He had power. So power wasn't the problem. He commented in verse 6 that He was amazed at their unbelief. And you could pray for people. But if they are unwilling or stubborn in their own thinking or way. But... You're called to still pray if they allow you to. But also it takes a measure of faith to believe God that He can do it. And there's one last thing I want to say. I heard a new term this week called binge racers. Anyone hear that term? Binge racers. And it actually has to do with Netflix, believe it or not. So I want to read this to you. According to Netflix, binge racers are new fans that strive to be the first to finish by speeding through an entire season within 24 hours of its release. In other words, they're crazy people. But the company, Netflix, says there are 8.4 million members who have decided to binge race. And the pace of this behavior has increased 20 times over from 2013 to 2016. And maybe you might be here this morning and you're like, oh, that's what I am. Don't raise your hand. But here's the thing. People are willing to binge race through a whole series of shows in 24 hours. Yet, if they're sick in their body, to show up to church and receive prayer is like a big deal. Do you feel me, church? This is where I'm at today. It's like, how badly and how desperate are you for God to show up in your life? Sure, binge watching helps you feel good for a moment. But guess what? After 24 hours of episodes are done... You're left feeling the same. And then you realize, wait a minute, I just wasted a whole weekend. And what did I accomplish? And I don't feel any better. And this is the problem of our society, of our day and age today. And I'm not. notice I'm not saying our young people. This is everyone. Everyone watches Netflix. Even my dad. He's like, the box doesn't work. How do, how do you... Like, dad, do you have a smart TV? Ask your TV. And the reality is, we've traded... All of these things that God is for entertainment. And God is saying, man, you, like if you think that's good, I wish you could let me do what I could do in your life. So church, signs and wonders is, is important. They are important aspects of, of the ministry that we have to have happening at church And again, church isn't just an hour and a half together, it's when we leave this place. And here's a prayer for our generation that I also took from Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31. And I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning as we prepare just for a time of prayer. I told you these altars are going to be open for anyone who desires to chase after God and to believe God. But I want to read to you what it says In Acts chapter 4, it's a prayer for our generation. And it says this, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. The church was being persecuted in the book of Acts chapter 4. They were being persecuted. And in the midst of that, they said, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So it's important, church, for us to understand as you faithfully practice what you proclaim or practice what you preach. God will faithfully back His Word up with the demonstration. See, it's good to be able to to talk about healing, to talk about the miraculous, and then just for me to close the service and walk out and say, well, I hope they got it. But it's another thing when we preach the Word and then we put it into practice. And so I purposed way before I showed up today that I said, I will lay hands on whoever wants it. And whoever, and I said, it, and if they get healed, praise the Lord. If, if nothing else changes in the immediate, well, we will still believe that God's not finished and He's not done. But all we're going to do is pray. It's nothing magical, nothing special. It's just simple faith and simple obedience. Because I'm, I'm a natural guy, but with Him, it becomes supernatural. Amen. And one more thing, Smith Wigglesworth said, there's nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. Today, maybe you have unbelief. Maybe that's your biggest barrier to to walking up here to receive prayer. And in the name of Jesus, I speak to the unbelief to be gone, that you might receive the fullness of what God has for you. In Jesus' name, I end with these three things and we'll open the altar. Spencer, if you could just go back to the keys. It says this these are some statements for our church. We've been ending every sermon with them. At Weston, we will practice what we preach, or else, what good is it? It's just information. At Weston, every time the word of God is proclaimed, it will accomplish what God desires. Because we will faithfully proclaim his word. And at Weston we have great expectation as a result to see signs and wonders. Accompanying the preaching of God's word. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you. I'm not even saying close your eyes. The altars are open. If you must go. I, I pray a blessing on you for the rest of your week. And take the message with you. Go and be the hands and feet. Ask God to use you to anoint your hands, to anoint your words as you speak, to to see your world change for God's kingdom's sake. And if you're here and and you're ready and you want to receive prayer, I will stay till every single person who's up here is prayed for and, and the hands are laid as we believe for God to do what only he can do for you. Can you say amen? So these altars are open. And you come if you want prayer today. And I'll stay however long I must so that we can honor God in this place and give him the opportunity to, to confirm the preaching of his word today. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.